we wanted to just give kind of a brief disclaimer about our discussions here on this podcast. The tone of the show is obviously quite serious and covers subject matters that are difficult to talk about and important and things like that. And this podcast will talk about those, but also we're going to be joking and talking about the lighter elements of the show. And we just want to make sure that nobody takes anything that we say to be making light of the situations portrayed in the show. And yes. Like victims and things like that. We obviously take that very seriously when that happens in real life. And we don't want anybody to take it as though we're making light of those occurrences. Found a loose sock for you. Thank you. Smells good. <laughs> okay. Well, Chrissy's uh, sniffing socks, and I'm here to say welcome back to Vicious Felonies, a Law & Order SVU podcast. I'm Jordan. I'm Chrissy. The sock sniffer herself. And we're here to zoom through this episode. This is the uh, second episode in a week we've recorded because we are bad at time management. Oh, yeah, we are, man. And uh, yeah, that stapler episode was amazing. Wow, it blew me away. I cried. Same. Tears of joy. No, I did just cry at a bad episode of the OC, so arguably my crying meter is not really meaningful in any way. We're both in the future and in the past right now. Uh, when we're recording this, it's still March. When this episode comes out, it'll be April 2nd, and the stable episode will have happened and we'll, we'll have watched it, but obviously we don't know how we feel right now. Right. Yeah. But today we're here to talk about 303 Stolen. <laughs> oh, it's like, what is that? 303, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got it. Got it. Did you see this one before? Yeah, for sure. Cool. Me too. It was written by Jonathan Green and Robert F. Campbell. It was directed by James Quinn. He directed season two's episode Consent, and this is his final episode for the series. Okay, interesting. It is an IMDb rating of 8.6 out of 10. Interesting. Okay. I'm going to do my own quick summary, and then we can jump in. Sounds good. A baby goes missing at a supermarket, and when they're trying to figure out who did it, it leads to a cold case from Craigan's past. And it's more than it seems. I was about to say, is it what it seems or is it not? <laughs> it's kind of what it seems, but... This is another one. This is like the third episode in a row that I instantly remembered everything about the episode. So I was like... This is the third one where I was like, I, I remember a lot of this, but not all of not it. Not all of it? Okay. Yeah, yeah I remembered all of it. But this is the uh, Maury Cragans on the Case episode. Yeah. Uh, I liked it overall. Oh, you'd laugh at that? That was a joke? You could, you could laugh Sorry, at that. no. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> You tried, but I'm not here to respect it. Anyway, <laughs> this episode begins in a grocery store, and uh, that's interesting because the season finale of Superstore is on tomorrow. <laughs> okay, okay. But do you think people, I mean, again, I don't want to sound like I'm victim blaming, but would you leave your baby like that? No, absolutely not. I wouldn't either. I don't even leave Willie to like get a coffee or something. Like I'm not right. physically holding on to Willie's my dog, not like a child, my child or right. something inappropriate. Um, oh, <laughs> I'm, if I'm not holding my Willie, it's a problem. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So no, I mean, I do leave Willie to get if, if I go in a coffee shop, but only if I can like keep my eyes on him. Yeah, but I don't do that. Willie's also a 75 pound dog. Like it'd be a lot harder to steal a 75 pound dog than a baby. Yeah, but it's uh, baby Emma, baby Emma. Yeah. 
So this woman leaves baby Emma pulled over on the side of the of the rack at the grocery store to get her formula, and somebody instantly snatches her. Nobody saw it happen. Olivia now has highlights. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody saw that happen either. <laughs> they also don't uh, reference Olivia and Stabler's beef at no, all this entire episode. At all, which is makes no sense. They they act like nothing happened the episode prior, which I kind of hate. I mean, I guess maybe like they're just like, well, we're work professionals, we're partners, we just have to keep yeah. going. They could have done something week. about it. Yeah, like Stabler could be like, you still pissed at me? And she could have just glared at him and be like, okay. My guess was that it was because there's two separate writers. Somebody wrote, you know, 302. Yeah. Then somebody wrote 303 and they were like, well, whatever. That's that's the only thing that makes sense. Yeah. So the mom is freaking the fuck out. She's just lost her mind. I wrote hysterical. Yeah. Seemingly five minutes after she goes missing, they start finding evidence. They find baby clothes in the garbage can in uh, a store down the street and like her hair ponytail cut off in like a vial of drugs that they think that this lady probably gave to the baby or the person gave to the baby. Whoops. Spoily. After the drugs and the haircut, it's the credits. Okay, thank you for that. (laughs) And then Stabler's talking with the mother and she's still hysterical. Mm -hmm. She doesn't want him talking to her. She just wants him to go find baby Emma. Right. The husband shows up. He's like, you should try to calm down your wife. She might have postpartum depression. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, Stabler isn't convinced that it's not her that, you know, right. had something to do with She this. was acting, like, extremely erratically. Especially after the husband said that she was, like, dealing with issues. It definitely could have been. I also like that they have a uh, mobile command post in this episode. Yeah, that was cool. I like that. I like whenever they have a mobile command or whatever set up. They do yeah. it quite a bit, but I like it. So, Munch and Finn are going over the cameras in the grocery store. I just wanted to say I hate the phrase run amok. Munch says something like, uh, I can't remember what he says. He says something run amok. I just hate that phrase. Can we just abolish it from the dictionary? Why? It's just annoying. It's it's never used in a useful way. It's always like political correctness, run amok, feminism, run amok. Don't they say it in uh, Hocus Pocus? She's like, amok, amok, amok. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I just hate uh, it. I also, I don't know, when Cragen, or not Cragen, when Elliot is questioning the mother, mm-hmm. he talks about... Uh, his personal life with his first baby. Yeah, and how all she wanted to do was cry and all he wanted to do was sleep. Mm-hmm. Just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I like when he shares details of his personal life with people. Yeah. It's interesting. The security cameras find a woman with a suitcase leaving the store. She had paid with a credit card. And I was like, at first I was like, dude, you paid with a credit card? Like, how stupid can you be? Then we find out it was a stolen credit card, stolen from a lady who works at, like, a drug clinic. And they show the picture of the lady on the cameras to the lady who's the stolen card. And she's like, oh, yeah, it's so-and-so. Alicia. Yeah. She's like, oh, she used to be addicted to crack. She had a stillborn, like, a month ago. Last week. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Clearly I wasn't taking notes on the details. <laughs> And yeah, she was like, okay, she stole my purse. That must have been what happened here. Oh, okay. So at this point, they're going through her stuff, Alicia's stuff. They go to her apartment instantly. Yeah, Olivia and Stabe. And uh, I did want to say she has lights on her little uh, pipe in her room. (laughs) Not not her crack pipe. Not her crack pipe. Not her crack pipe. Like her water pipe that's in her room, which is the same uh, situation that we have. We'll post a pic. But uh, side by side. Yeah, yeah. Our pipe, her pipe. Not 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 the crack pipe. But then she is on crack and there is a crack pipe, so... <laughs> does get a little confusing with the pipes. Right, it does get confusing. So, as they're rifling through her shit, of course she shows up to the apartment and is like, oh, gotta run. Stabler was not having this. He literally was like, shut up, just shut up! 
Yeah, I, I loved him telling her to shut up. <laughs> like, he was not here for her. So she explains the situation, says that she promised her, this man her baby, but her baby died, so she had to steal another baby to give her baby to this man, Mark Sanford. And they cut to his place. Yeah, the pace of the first 10 minutes of this episode is like breakneck speed. It's like boom, so, boom, 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 boom. Yeah, boom. they give you so many details of like... Just all these, like, stuff. I'm just... Yeah. It is wild. And then the episode goes in a completely different completely direction. Completely different direction. But at least it was still related. Yeah. I will say. Because I hate whenever they do that where they, like, throw you off the scent for 15 minutes and then the episode is about something else entirely. Yeah. At least they were kind of related in the end. Like, it didn't turn out that the criminal was a monster truck or... Right, right, right. I rolled my eyes. So anyway, um, they go to Mark Sanford's property and it's an empty brownstone with nothing in it except one room full of like five or six baby cribs and a lady who says she's the babysitter or the nanny. Stabler has a picture of baby Emma, which he compares against all the other babies. I would never be able to do that. No, me neither. I, I was thinking like, uh, shouldn't we like call the mom at this point or? They were pretty much all white babies looking like the same age. I wouldn't be able to tell them apart. No. Yeah, like if it was my own baby, I'd be able to yeah. tell, but like five random babies? No way. <laughs> yeah, agreed. They arrest the nanny. Yeah, even though like, I mean, I guess she did pretend like she was calling the police when she was actually calling Mark Sanford, but she clearly didn't really do it. Baby Emma is returned to her mama mm-hmm. and... Emma and her mama. <laughs> Emma's daddy says that uh, mama's going to see a doctor and Stabler says good luck. And then they shake hands. That was cute. That's the end of uh, Emma's journey. Right. And now we're on to... Part two of the episode. Well, not really. Well, yeah, I guess if you're saying there's three parts on part two, which yeah. is the lawyer subplot. And then we get to part three, which is even All more over different. the place. Yeah. Okay, so... Part one's done. Part two begins with <laughs> Cragen in a trench coat at the hospital. Then I have Mark Sanford lease the apartment. The next thing I have is Munch and Finn are questioning the nurse slash okay, yeah. babysitter. I, I did write while we were still at the hospital. I wrote, wait, are these people bad? I can't recall <laughs> about Emma's parents because I couldn't remember if it was one of those ones where they were like involved in the situation, but it seems like no. No. So Munch and Finn are questioning the babysitter, which I'm not even sure if we learn her name. Yeah, I'm not she sure. She says Mark either. Sanford has an office in Kew Gardens, so they go to get him. She claims that everything was above board and everything was... But they're like, uh, didn't the empty brownstone like right. seem off to you? Like, that's very strange. So they go to arrest him at his office. He also swears up and down he's never put up a stolen baby for adoption. And says that all these people that he's helped get babies, everything's good. Yeah, and he said he had no reason to believe it wasn't Alicia's. Mm -hmm. They do the cut to Craig and Cabot. He says, your call, counselor. She says, you know, grand larceny. And he's like, this is a human life we're talking about. Mm -hmm. And then he goes uh, to Munch and Finn. He's like, if you two are done surfing the web. Yeah, that was weird. Wait, can we back up for one second? Sure. I did want to talk about... The one scene where they're talking about the moms who give up the babies, like, getting money, where they're saying, like, they get $10,000, and then the guy's, like, it's to cover the medical expenses. Mm, yeah. Before I knew how much having a baby actually cost, it did kind of seem like the moms were, like, setting up a scheme to get money. But now knowing that it does cost, like, $10,000 to give birth, regardless of if you're keeping the baby, they aren't making any money. They're literally just paying their medical bills with that money. That sucks. That's literally how much it costs to have a baby, especially if you don't have insurance. If you don't have insurance, it's way more than that. That's not even going to make a dent. So yikes. Yeah, I just thought that was an interesting uh, side note. I like the the munch line about him saying the kindest thing he could do is not to adopt the child. Yeah, I liked that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then they talk about a ledger of birthday, a ledger of babies. Mm-hmm. And after one, Cragen's like, can you repeat that birth date? And then it cuts to Cragen and Munch eating, and we're starting to get into plot three. Mm-hmm. I love the scene of them at the diner. I just love anybody eating in a restaurant on SVU. What? 
Well, this is like a fancier restaurant. Oh, but the title card said Greenwich Diner. Mm. I don't know. But yeah, it is, it is a fancier restaurant. Like, they have, like, wine-shaped glasses for water, so yeah, well, it did look like a fancier restaurant. I, I think just Munch wrote, might have wine. Yeah, I think you're right. I just wrote down Greenwich Diner as the title card of the location of where they're at, so gotcha. could just be, like, a misnomer type of thing. But they talk about a uh, murder and missing child, and Cragen's old partner was murdered in 91. Murder was a girl named Jennifer, and her parents called Cragen once a year, seeing if there were any updates. And he said three years ago the call stopped coming. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's like, "I know what you're going to say, Munch. I don't usually work cases, but this is different." Yeah, I love Cragen in this episode. He's just really taking the reins. Yeah, it's a good, good Cragen on the case episode. Cragen on the case. Can we come up with a little theme song for that? Like Cragen on the case. Cragen on the case. Okay. Yeah. So. I think the next cut is Cragen at the house of the Talmudges, yeah. the grandparents. Can you guess which actress this lady reminds me of? No. No idea. I'll give you a hint. It's uh, a lady that is seen in a lot of impression TikToks that I've been sending you recently. No, she? No. Jennifer Coolidge. Ah. Uh, she just kind of looks like her. She looks like she could be like Jennifer Coolidge's mom or something. Okay. But anyway. I would not have guessed that. Okay. Whatever. That's your loss. <laughs> so my loss at this point like when we were watching the episode i was kind of confused like i thought that these were steven's parents like i didn't realize that this was jennifer's parents and i was like wait aren't these people old to have like a young boy like i'm really confused and then whenever they said they kept buying him presents i was like what but there is a grandparents oh sorry i wasn't confused i, I think that's because i was like taking notes on a different thing like i was excited about the restaurant scene so <laughs> <laughs> i missed something Chrissy's into fine dining at the uh, Greenwich Diner. Yeah, because I, I wanted to look up, like, if the Greenwich Diner was a real thing, and then I, like, started doing that, and then the episode kept on going, so I had to just abandon that, and... So you don't know to this I don't date. know. Should yeah. I look it up? Yeah, let's pop it into old Google Maps. All right. I don't got that. Nothing? I don't got a Greenwich Diner. I have, like, a lot of... Diners in Greenwich? Yeah. Yeah, there's one called Waverly Diner. Yeah, the, they look more dinery than fancy. Yeah. Oh, man, this one's called G-Wiz Diner. <laughs> G-Wiz. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I got caught up in that and I got confused. I feel like that's a common trope in SVU and in other things where, like, family members of someone who's lost, like, keeps their room eerily the same. And do people really do that? It's just very, like, it's in so many movies and TV shows, like. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure some people do. Yeah. His bedroom had the same wallpaper <laughs> as my childhood bedroom. The stripes. Although it didn't have, like... I didn't have that border, but yeah, the stripes. Cute. That was in my room. Who were Cabot? Oh, okay, so that was with the attorney, right? They were meeting with Mark Sanford after he was locked up in the next scene when Cabot gets mad. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to like negotiate and like use leverage against him to try and get him to tell about Stephen Talmich and what happened. And Cragen for sure loses his cool and is like, I'll nail your ass to the wall. (laughs) Yeah. I also like, like him screaming, like, offers open for 10 more seconds. Yeah. Like, dude, negotiating is not what you do here. <laughs> You're not not killing it. And uh, Cabot is rightfully pissed off and says, what the hell was that? I like how when Cabot calls out Cragen for being too emotionally invested, he just says, damn right. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that. I love it, but it's also extremely hypocritical. Like, Cragen's on the case. Cragen's <laughs> on, on the, the case. case. <laughs> Okay, so he... (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we made that theme song. Yeah, same. If there's any more, like, if there's an awkward pause, I'll just start singing that. That's fine. And then we can get back to topic. Perfect. He finds the the former detective that had been working the Stephen case 
Uh, he gets his max. Net. Max, yeah, that's his name. He gets his notes, and uh, ACS went through the paperwork of Mark Sanford's adoptions and says that they were all above board and didn't seem like anything was shady, so they're like, okay, what do we do from here? But he was triple dipping. Triple dipping. I'm glad that, number one, I'm glad that phrase was used because it completely made everything make sense to me instantly, and <laughs> I also am glad that they had the diagram. <laughs> like, yeah, they're like, that was a nice touch. a dumb piece of shit. Here's what's happening. Uh, I am a dumb piece of shit, so I was like... <laughs> Okay. I got it. I got Three it. names. Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> Taylor Benson telling me at the same time with the three names. All we right. Got it. All right. Okay. I can keep moving forward. Okay. Can we explain? I'm, yeah, I'm going to okay. just do it quick. Okay. They offer the baby to three couples. They say the mom changed their mind and then they keep the money from the other two couples that don't get the baby. Right. Is that how it works? Like, if you don't get the baby, do you still have to pay? So since this isn't legal, they can't really do oh. anything to get the money back. But they thought it was legal. Didn't they? No. I, I think they knew it wasn't, like, fully legal. Well, the Stephen parents thought it was legal. They were like, we swear, we thought it was fully... So, I don't know. Maybe the other people thought it was, le- thought it was like, shady or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. That is a good question, because they say, like... All, like, yeah, the Stephen... Or, it's above board, but also not enough. Right. To, I don't know. Maybe they Can't just... Can't explain that. Didn't feel like dealing Craig with it. Craig on the case. <laughs> Craig ends on the case. <laughs> I'm One moment skip over that. that I no, please leave it. That I really liked was them talking to Jennifer's college roommate and her explaining the situation with uh, Robert Cook and uh, how they dated. And then she says Robert ab- abruptly broke up with Jennifer. And then Munch says, "Did he give a reason?" And she said, "Guys never do." And then gave him a death glare. <laughs> I did like that. I also like Munch was able to figure out that uh max didn't talk to her based on his notes he's mm-hmm. like yeah it seems like they had a meeting to talk but i'm not seeing anything and then craigan's like he took great notes like if if it's not in there then they didn't talk yeah i just thought that was a cool yeah that detail. was interesting i liked that too it's crazy because like if they never would have talked to her they wouldn't have got any of this information like this she's actually like a crucial witness to this yeah. whole case yeah which is kind of rare like normally that's not the case at this point they think that steven the missing boy was probably robert cook's they go to tell him, and he has, has two other sons. He's, like, playing with them outside. He says, yeah, like, I knew she disappeared. I didn't know she was pregnant at the time. Yeah. So he didn't even know that this kid could possibly be his. Apparently she sent him a letter, but he says he never got it. Mm-hmm. So they need DNA from Robert Cook, his ex-wife, who is the mother of his current sons. One's around 12, so they're like, maybe it's this kid. Right, like, that and could he, have been Steven the whole time. You know, took his own kid. Right. And- that would have been an interesting twist. Episode would have been a lot shorter then. <laughs> um, and <then> it's over. <laughs> and, and then also the, the boys. So they determined that the boys are actually Robert Cooks and his ex-wife's. There's no nothing fishy there. Where did they find those adoption papers? Mark Sanford's basement? Yeah, I believe so. I just wanted to talk about that scene with Warner. About the swab? Yeah. Yeah. Where like the ex-wife's getting pissed off. And she's like, well, I have his birth certificate. Why do you need to do this? She's like, I'm only doing what I'm asked. You're next. And she's like, no. Uh, and they're like, well, if you don't comply, you're going to be arrested for contempt. She's like, well, I yeah. am doing this, but with contempt. That was so fucking stupid. I do kind of think it's ridiculous that a woman would have to prove that a child is hers. Like somebody watched the baby exit her vagina. Like, isn't that proof enough? You'd think. But I don't know. Shrug, shrug, shrug. I mean, I guess they're also proving that the boy is who he says he is and he's not Stephen. So anyway. They show the adoption papers that are signed by Jennifer to 
her parents and they immediately say that's, that's not, not her signature. signature. Yeah. They have her passport and they say it's uh, not even close. And then... How would they ever... I mean, the, the passport thing, like, obviously that's plausible that they would still have her passport of someone who's dead. Like, I'm sure they probably just put it in a box and forgot about it. But how would they know upon sight? I, I think my mom would know my signature upon sight. Like... Really? I signed birthday cards to her or like whatever, like over the years. I like, guess. If it's like wildly different, and those two are like pretty <laughs> Didn't drastic. You sign a different. card from your mom, your son. Yeah, I always sign it like that. You write your entire name and your son. Yeah. For every card. Yeah. What? I, I think it's funny. <laughs> that is so weird. Yeah, first, middle, last name, your son. In case she forgets. She gets Alzheimer's. She's set. She'll pick up that card and be like, huh, that's my son. I have a son? <laughs> <laughs> what? So Craig and Cabot are back with the lawyer. And he says, signatures don't match. You're screwed. Mm-hmm. Cabot says, we're going to convict you of murder and kidnapping. And his lawyer says, you know, what's your deal? And she says, no jail time, but restitution for everyone. And you have to give me Stephen Talmadge. Is this when Mark reveals that he, like, found out later that it wasn't actually Jennifer that came with the baby? I, I wrote, <laughs> Mark, this is Mark saying this. A woman came to me with a baby. I didn't find out till later it wasn't her. Mm, okay, then sure. So I have in bold later in my notes, Craigan's on the case. Do you really? Yeah. <laughs> we got to get a shirt with, with that and like Craigan like running like this. <laughs> right into some benches. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So at this point, would you say this is part three? Yeah. Or act three or whatever you want to say when they go to Steven's house, but his name's Tyler. That's his. It's the Blake's house. Uh, yeah. The Bl- the Blake's house. I feel horribly for this family and this woman. Yeah, I also think the choice of the house and, like, how it's set up is just perfect for, like, the type of family they're supposed to be. Yeah. It's, like, really well done in that regard. They definitely seem like a loving family that, like, might not have the most money but is making it work. He seems happy. He's got friends over. I do feel bad that he was, like, standing there listening the whole time, like, Mm -hmm. as Craigan explains that he's not actually who he thought he was. Yeah, it's like all the questions he asks and she's just like, yes, uh, what's going on? I can't even... But they say, you know, he's been kidnapped and she's like, are you sure? And he's like, DNA tests will confirm he's Stephen Talmadge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a horrible situation. I don't even know what else to say. I also wrote, man, I love when Craigan's on the case. <laughs> Craigan's on the case. So they let Mr. Cook know that Tyler slash Stephen is his biological son. He says he never would have abandoned him had he known that he existed and that he can give him a good life. Mm-hmm. And then we have our little scene with Cragen and Tyler slash Stephen. And Cragen explains that uh, he just was doing what he had to do. Um, I wanted to talk about the scene before that. Which is what? Cragen and Cabot. And Cabot says he's probably going to have to go to foster home. Oh, yeah. And Cragen's like, well, what about the grandparents? And she's like, well, the law says, and he's like, forget the law. And uh, she's like, well, everyone wants a piece of Tyler right now. The best place may be someplace neutral. Mm-hmm. And he's like, their daughter was taken away. And now we can't, you know, they can't even have their grandson. Oh, the grandparents parents say that they say our daughter was taken away right now we can't have a grandson and they talk about the temporary custody and the father claiming the rights and then right that's when it's the uh tyler craigan scene gotcha yeah i mean it's a tough situation like i get the whole like neutral thing but it just sucks like if you have three places you can go yeah and then they would make you go somewhere random with another group of people you don't know with strangers yeah, i think like... they do say it's like a friend don't they yeah but still like that just sucks yeah like, could you imagine that? Yeah, that's awful. So one thing that I don't understand about the whole court case thing. Oh, wait, did we want to talk about the Craigan and him scene? 
Did you have more? I I have a, like one thing to say about it if you didn't um, say. No, I just thought it was cute. He does his best to like make the kid feel better about the situation because it's obviously terrible. But no, that's pretty much all I had. Okay, I just like when he says like you know protecting you from anything bad. That's also part of my job, and that's the part of my job I like. Yeah, that and was then cute. He takes him to meet his grandparents. He's like, do I have to hug them? And he's like, whatever you feel. Oh yeah, I did like that. That was such a very like little kid thing that he would ask a stranger if he has to hug these other strangers like. Reagan has no say over if you hug these people or not. Yeah. I also like uh, when they say Steven, he's like, my name's Tyler. And yeah. Like, nice to meet you, Tyler. And then he's like, please don't cry. Yeah, it was very sweet. This kid's clearly like a nice kid. I like Alex volunteering to be his attorney. Because, yeah, I like that as well. Like there's like a backlog or something of uh, civil court attorneys. But she says he's old enough to decide on his own who he wants to live with. And then that's completely disregarded. Well, they still have to have the case. Like as... His attorney, she's fighting for what he wants. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean they'll win. Oh. It's still a case. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, she's representing him and saying, like... What he wants. He's old enough to decide, and since I'm going to be his attorney, I'll fight for that. Which is to be with his adoptive parents. Yeah. But I it's just still don't understand that. Like, if that's what he wants, and he's old enough to decide, then why isn't it just over? Yeah, I don't know. Like, why, why does there still need to be a case? Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. It seems very weird. Yeah, I I don't get it. So they have Wong on the stand. He talks about what? It's just what I had as well. Okay. made me happy that we both wrote that. (laughs) He talks about, he does not recommend putting him with his biological father and compares, like, taking him from his adoptive parents to someone's parents being instantly killed in a car crash and, like, losing them and how that would be similar to that. Yeah, he'd be like, it's like sudden dramatic loss. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they could suffer from behavioral problems and depression. Yeah, I mean, it's really awful. Like, it's just such a tough situation because you can obviously see both sides. Like, whenever they ask the adoptive mom if she did have a kid and then the kid was lost, like, wouldn't she want him back? And she obviously says, yeah, because of course you would. But it's just, uh, just so hard. So Mrs. Blake says, please don't punish our family for someone else's crime, which, like... Also, is a good point, they didn't know anything was wrong with the adoption. Like, yeah. they've just been living their lives in peace for the last 12 years. So that's also unfortunate. I did like the scene between Cabot and Cragen when uh, Cragen says, hey, how's it going? And Cabot says, ripping my guts out. Yeah, she says they're all good people. Mm-hmm. Sucks. I also like how many pictures Mrs. Blake had. And uh, she says, like, we don't have a lot of money, but he doesn't want for anything. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was just really sad. So have they already determined where he'll be going? Well, they figure out that uh, Linda Cook was involved. Oh, that's right. That's right. she's sitting in... Uh, the interrogation room? Yeah. And she's like, why am I here? And Cragen's kind of in the shadows. I loved him in the shadows. That yeah. was such a great shot. Yeah. And... Uh, he's on the case and he's in the shadows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, I love before that, though. He's like, let's get Linda Cook in here. <laughs> like, the way he says it is very like, shit, she did it. Yeah. I'll tell you this in a second. But he says that she took the letter and she took the baby to the adoption attorney. She's like, where are you getting this? He's like, that's your signature on the adoption papers. Mm-hmm. And he's like, if you tell me you didn't kill her, I'll, I'll help you out. And she's right. like, all she says is I want a lawyer. Uh-huh. So we never find out if she killed her or not. According to the Law and Order wiki, uh-huh. it says that she killed her. Hmm. But it doesn't say that in the episode. But like Interesting. online, it says she killed her. Huh. So I don't know. How would they know that? That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's just implied, but interesting. So then we go back to the case. The court determines that because Mr. Cook is a fit parent, they have no choice but to go with the rights of the 
actual parent. Yeah, I like what she says, uh, the, the judge. She says, most have nobody that wants and loves them, but yeah. you have multiple people and everyone's acting in your best interest. And she says, uh, I urge you uh, to keep the best interest in regard to the adoptive parents. I just thought that was nice. Yeah, that like, was Obviously, nice. he doesn't really have to, but... Right, but in the best interest of the kid, which is what the whole thing's supposed to be about, like, you should probably not, like, cut off contact with these people. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's still awful. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. I wonder how his Christmases are going to go. Right. Buku. <laughs> <laughs> Dude's getting presents from all sides. I mean, his grandparents have a whole room full of toys for him already. <laughs> yeah, but he's 12. He probably doesn't want those toys. He doesn't want the baby toys. <laughs> I don't think. And then the final scene is everyone standing outside of the courtroom talking and Steven slash Tyler giving a longing glance at Cragen. Yeah. He looks very sad. He does. But they do say like they're talking. So that's a start. I also yeah. like Cabot saying prosecuting is easy. You know who the bad guy is. Yeah, true. I think that's pretty much it then. We yeah. Got no update on Benson and Stabler whatsoever. Nope. Or her shooting. Wouldn't she be facing some kind of fallout or like desk duty or something i mean maybe that's why they were mainly i guess she was at the beginning so yeah i don't know yeah like for after a while she was like sidelined but that was just because craig was on the case so yeah craig on the case <laughs> craig on the case <laughs> yeah i don't know mvp first or rating uh, i did have one thing but it's all about the drug in the bathroom so i, I i'm not gonna read we it. don't care about that no one cares about drugs all right no. uh you want to do mvp <laughs> I mean, there's only one name that we could possibly name for MVP. And is it Cragen? It's Cragen. It's oh. Cragen. You know it's Cragen. He's on the case. He's in the shadows. He's in my heart. <laughs> He's on the case. He's in the shadows. He's in my heart. That just sums up this episode, everyone. Yeah. yeah. It's Cragen all the way. No other choice. Uh, enough said. Yeah. Rating? I'm going to give it 8 out of 10 dun-duns. Okay. I said, it's a Cragen on the case Maury episode. <laughs> But everyone does a good job. It's really solid. You feel bad for pretty much everyone except the ex-wife. Mm -hmm. uh, Munch, Cabot, and Cragen are definitely the stars. It's uh, Munch and Cragen in the first half, and then Cragen and Cabot in the second. And there's just some good turns. Yeah. I I don't know. It's well acted. It is very um, well acted. That's very true. Is that all? Yeah. I'm giving it a 7 out of 10 dun-duns. Uh, I did like it. There wasn't really... I, mean, I, I don't want to say there wasn't a crime, because obviously there wasn't. there was a crime, but... It took place 12 years ago, and we didn't get to see any details of it, really. So I kind of point deducted for that. There was... Wait, what did you get it? I'm sorry. I, like, zoned out. That's okay. I gave it a 7 out of 10. Okay. Dun-duns. So this explains why sometimes you don't have my rating in your uh, end of the season wrap, huh? Because whenever I'm talking, you just zone out. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, oh, she's talking now? I don't know. <laughs> no Benson and Stabler. Which... I mean, little Benson and Stabler. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. Yeah, there was enough for Stabler to say, shut up! <laughs> <laughs> and to help explain triple dipping. Right. Yeah, that, literally that's all they did. They were like, shut up! Triple dipping! <laughs> Postpartum depression! And then Catch you next week. <laughs> yeah. So, I did like the episode. It just, it wasn't a very, like, mysterious episode. It was more of just like a, this is a sad, horrible situation all around. Yeah. I tried to look up to see if there was a Law & Order episode that set this up. I couldn't find anything that like really gotcha. showed it because i tried googling various things and nothing really like revealed it so if anyone knows if there is like an so this actual is the second episode in a row that's like hearkening back to an old case because the, the one we just did yeah. was also like oh this happened in 1993 yeah 
I don't know. But if anyone knows if there's an actual original Law & Order episode with Jennifer Talmadge, let me know, but I don't think there is. I'd love to watch it if so. I uh, wouldn't, but... Okay. I mean, yeah, oh, we know what happens, um, so... Also, the Craig and partner that they talk about, he dies in, like, the season two opener, or his funeral's the season two opener, so, like... Season two of... Law & Order. Oh. So he's been dead a while. Yeah, I mean, and they say that. They say oh, okay. he died in 91, but, gotcha. like, it's just, like... Obviously, he wasn't, like, a huge character. Right. If he only was in one, one season. season. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, do you have anything else on this? No, not really. We're still doing our sticker giveaway. Uh, after this, we're going to have uh, our Stabler episodes after this airs. So stay tuned. F- well, don't stay tuned. Uh, tune in for those. <laughs> what, so when will we be back with that episode? The 5th? Uh, I think no. the 6th. Yeah, the 6th, I think we said. I'll, I'll let you know for sure. That's Tuesday. Yeah, April 6th will be our Stabler SVU episode. And then that Friday, we're going to do the uh, Law & Order Organized Crime reaction episode. And it seems like we're going to have our first live guest for the April 6th episode. So Woo! hopefully nothing falls through there. But as of right now, we have a guest and they're going to be like actually face to face with us. So I'm Can't very wait. excited for that. Yeah. And then on April 16th, we'll be doing uh, our season three episode four episode <laughs> okay but yeah if you want to give us a rating that'd be great Please. um on apple podcast you can follow the show at vicious felonies on twitter and instagram you can email us let us know any thoughts comments concerns feelings uh just vibes you're feeling vibes i'd love to uh, hear about vibes <laughs> <laughs> but that email is vicious felonies podcast at gmail.com and then you can follow me jordan on twitter and instagram at mossy underscore castle Wow, killing it. Killing it. You can follow me on, did I did I say mine yet? Your social media? Yeah. No. You can follow me on Twitter at Chrissy Marie H and on Instagram at Chrissy Holzer. All right. And this episode is, is done. Willie really had to chime in there. <laughs>